I want to talk this morning about a word I got, sort of in the middle of some of our shutdown pandemic time. And um, I was just walking around my house. And, you know, I think the devil has tried to dumb us down during this pandemic. He's tried to dumb us down. If you were believing for a promotion at work, you just started just believing that you hope you didn't lose your job. <laughs> if you were believing you could buy a house, you just started hoping you could pay your apartment rent. <laughs> if, if you were believing for a healing for something, you just started hoping you didn't get sick with the virus. See, whatever you were believing for, you sort of stepped back because you had all these other pressures coming at you. Nobody in here lost their business that I know of. Some people's, maybe their percentage of their bonus or a little piece of their salary got shaved down. But so far that I know of, everybody's kept their job. That's awesome. That's great news. But it's like the enemy has tried to keep us from believing for more and just hoping that what we have doesn't get taken from us. See, pastors that were believing for growth and more salvations, they just hoped they could meet the mortgage on their building and didn't get evicted. People like us are hoping we could just pay the rent month to month. See, people start calling me, you know, I can't come today, I can't come. And you're like, well, if half our people are gone, how are we going to continue? So the devil has tried to push us backwards, and God is saying, no, keep marching forward. And so as I was walking around my house, July in the 20s, we were still shut down. We had had a 10-week shutdown from March to May 31st, and then we were open for a month, had four glorious services, and then we had to shut down again for four weeks And because this one got exposed and this one had it and we couldn't put this one on stage with coronavirus, and so it was crazy. So in the middle of the four-week shutdown, God quickened this to me. Pick up your promises. Pick up your promises. And the very words pick up means I've let them down. I've put them down somewhere. I've, I've let go of them. Because if I'm supposed to pick them up, it means I'm no longer holding on to them. I'm no longer holding on. And so these words were not just for me. They were for many of you who were not sure what to do with the words God has spoken in the past now that things seem so different all around you. See, it's like, oh, well, I know God said that. And I know God meant that. But now, well, did God not know about now? <laughs> was he blindsided by this? Was he like, whoa, didn't expect that? Um, see, there are things that are temporal. Everything around us is temporal, and it is subject to change, the Bible says. But when God speaks an eternal word, it will not fall to the ground. Now, I didn't say you can't throw it on the ground. I didn't say you can't put it down on the ground. But he doesn't want it to fall to the ground. From his end, it won't be doing that. And it will accomplish what it was sent forth to do. Don't faint. Don't get weary of holding fast to what he said. Pick up your promises. God hadn't changed his mind. So let him renew your strength and breathe new life on the precious words he has given you as you step back into a place of faith and expectancy. Don't let go, don't shrink back, and you will possess the land he has promised to you. That's what I put on Facebook. Tons of people started sharing it. See, the enemy was trying to use this virus to bring great discouragement, great disappointment, great lack of expectation to people. And so, you know, different things are used in different ways, and the enemy will work with whatever tools he has. And so he will make maximum opportunity of whatever is going wrong so that he can even suck more of the life out of us. Now, you know, when I said these precious words, you know, I remember a young man, he years and years ago used to play keyboard for us, big muscly guy. 
There was one word, one prophetic word that had been given to him. And one day we were talking to him about it. And he goes, remember, we go, remember that word you got? He goes, oh, yeah. And he pulled out his wallet. I thought, what's he doing? You know, we don't, we don't, you don't have to pay for a word around here. And he pulled out this little piece of paper. And on this folded up little piece of paper, he had written down the word that had been spoken over him. And he carried it with him because it was so precious to him because God spoke it. How many of us can't even remember the words that God has given us? How many of us can't even recall? We've been so blessed. So many things have been said. See, whether Alan called you up here and prophesied, whether Jen had a word of knowledge, whether Cammie pointed you out when you walked in the place, whether it was through even just reading the word, whether it was something in a song, something that God spoke to you, whether it was when a special speaker came, Dale Gentry, Don Couch, Patricia Bootsman, can we remember the words? See, how can we hold on to, to what we don't even recall any longer? How can we hold fast to what we don't even know? These words are precious. Hold on to these words. What has God said to you? So if there's something that God has prophesied to you or promised to you that hasn't come to pass yet. Now, I'm not saying that every flake, fruit, and nut that walks in the door that says something to you, that that's a prophetic word that you've got to hold on to. See, there's a certain amount of credibility that we give certain people that others maybe are not yet walking in. And so there's words that are confirmed. And that's why somebody said, why do y'all give words from the microphone? So we can judge it. So there's accountability. And so we don't want everybody just, I'm not saying people can't prophesy individually to others, but you know, I've been to a church where everybody was encouraged to prophesy to others. People said the weirdest stuff to me that was so wrong. And I'm like, really? They need to like have a few more little training qualifications there. And so I don't mean anything that anybody's ever said to you, you know, that you've got to hold on to. But you know what the anointing is on. And you know that thing that you can feel the witness of the Spirit in your heart when you got it. And that you need to hold fast to. So we must live in a way that properly prepares us to possess the promise that prepares us to possess the promise. So we'll do a little alliteration and we'll do principles to properly prepare you to possess the promise, okay? And Hebrews 6.12 says this, Hebrews 6.12, through faith and patience, we inherit the promise. It says right before that, do not become sluggish, sluggish. Do not become listless and sluggish. See, with faith and patience, there's an activeness to it. See, I know some people who have a lot of faith. They just can't mix it with patience. And so if the thing doesn't happen soon, they give up. Court got a word. When she first started coming to our church, I think on a Wednesday night at prayer, Alan walked up to her and he goes, step into your new life. And I mean, it wasn't but a couple of months she was stepping in. It seems it was a short period of time, wasn't it? Yeah, different person overnight. But some people, he says something and they wait for a long time. See, God was saying that we were going to minister to young people for a long time before young people were ever in our life. And so some things are like that and some things take a while. I've seen other people who have patience but no faith. So they just wait and wait and wait, but they aren't waiting for anything in particular. And so they get nothing in particular. <laughs> Let's go to Numbers 13. I think the first few verses, if I'm reading them wrong, y'all will know it. And I have the same one. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. 
from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. A leader. See, not just a casual attendee, not a backslider who walked into the church, not a doubter, not someone who's just following, trying to decide what they think. A leader. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were heads of the children of Israel. And it lists them all. Lists them all. Let's go to verse 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of. Now, I looked up how to say this word. And what they did was they had all these ministers on video saying it 50 different ways. And we had Jephunneh, Jephana, uh, Jephana. Oh, it was everything. But I'm, gonna, I'm Italian, so we'll say Jephuna, okay? Jephuna, the Italian uh, uh, descendant here. And so Caleb, the son of Jephuna, you know, and if, you, if you're going to do that all through the Bible, then you also have to say Malachi. You know, the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, right? And actually, a woman at the first Bible study I went to, that's what she called it, Malachi, <laughs> instead of Malachi. And so they went for 40 days to spy out the land. Verse 27, and after they did all their spying, these leader guys, these leaders, the heads of the tribes of Israel, they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they were carrying on their shoulders these clusters of grapes on a pole that were huge. But now here comes the doubt. But nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. That's a fact. The cities are fortified and very large. That was a fact. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and they were giants. That's a fact. There were the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. They had lots of reasons like we do. Lord, let me give you all the reasons why we can't deal with young people. Let me give you all the reasons why Easy's too old. Let me give you all the reasons why we've only had one child. We really don't have that much experience. Lord, we, we, let me give you all the reasons why we can't move into a bigger building. Let me give you all the reasons why this miracle can't happen because I'm sick. How am I going to get anybody else healed? God, let me give you all the reasons. Caleb said, verse 30, in spite of all the reasons, let us go up at once. He was prepared right then to do it. Let us go up at once and take possession. He saw the same thing they saw, but he said, let us do it. Let's go. For we are well able to overcome it. You know why? Because God said it. If God said it, you can do it. See, but other leaders, other head people, be careful who you listen to. Others who received the exact same promise and who saw the exact same thing had a different thought. A thought. It wasn't God's thought, but a thought can control you. It was their thought. And because it was their thought, it didn't feel like it was the enemy's thought. It was just their thought. But who is controlling your thought? What voice are you listening to? And so these others said, we are not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we. It is a land that devours its inhabitants. There were giants. Uh, they, they spread their feeling around then too. We were grasshoppers, verse 33. We were as grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. See, we don't know what those giants thought. But because they felt they were grasshoppers, 
That's how they were going to present. How do you see the situation? How do you see yourself? How you see it is how it's going to be. If you walk in a room and you feel confident, you go, I can do this, guess what? You're going to be able to do it. But if you walk in and go, oh, I don't know what's going to happen, you're not going to present well, and it's not going to work out well. And so how you see it is how it's going to be. How you see is what will be. Now, you can't just make up something to see. (laughs) You can't just think up or conjure up some wild thing to see. But if God says he sees it, then don't stop looking until you see it. See, that's that's the guideline. See, people go, well, I just see myself driving a Bentley and a Rolls Royce. I mean, did God say that? Or is that your weirdo vision? You know, is that your, your, your selfish, self-gratifying? See, but some people, he might have shown you that. He said, John's going to have a plane, a jet plane. See, John's not going to just make up that. But it was prophesied over and over. We don't know when. We wish it'd be right away, John. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, it's like if God says it, then you need to see it. See, that's how, what has God said about you? Maybe it's outlandish, maybe it's small, but what has God said that you will do? Some people have stayed in the desert for 40 years, not just the Israelites, because what you say in the desert can sometimes determine if you ever get out. So God was displeased because the people weren't seeing and saying what he saw and what he did. What you say about it counts. The response of Mary, be it done unto me according to thy word. The response of Elizabeth. See, all those things mattered. God couldn't have used them the way he did had their responses been uh, resistant to his word. Outlandish as it sounded. So he said, this is verses 22 to 24 in Numbers 14. These men, God said, these men have not heeded my voice. And so they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers. None of those, now get this, who has rejected me, who has rejected me, shall see it. When you reject God's word to you, you reject him. When you reject God's word to you, you reject him. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. I want to be a Caleb. See, I want to be a Caleb. And so God singled him out and reaffirmed the promise concerning him. And so it's like when you get the same word, the same prophecy, a second time and a third time and a fourth time. See, God's singling you out. He's going to do it. But then for Caleb, 45 years passed. Woo-hoo. 45, some of you aren't even 45, okay? <laughs> From the day of your birth till now, God said, and it still not happened? 45 years? Open your Bibles to the book of Joshua or whatever you read your Bible on, or if you have to, look at the screen. Let's put up Joshua chapter 14 up there, verse 6 to 12. Joshua 14. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb... There he is again, the son of Jephunneh. The Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet, and yet, I am as strong this day in my belief as I was on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Therefore, give me this mountain. Yeah. 85 years old, give me this mountain. Yeah. We were in storage the other day getting out the Christmas decorations, and there was a, a, a big container, and Alan goes, what's that? And I go, it's Easy's hunting clothes, his hunting gear. And I'm like, you know, we could probably get rid of that hunting gear. <laughs> so the next day I go, honey, there's a big box in storage, and it's, it's your hunting gear. The last time you went hunting, you know, you were like 70, you know, 72 maybe when he went and killed that mountain lion. Uh, we, we heard that story. It was amazing. All the, the, the Navy SEAL guys or the Special Forces guy went back down the mountain. They couldn't take it, but he decided, I'm not giving up. This is my one opportunity. I'm not getting back up here. He stayed up all night in the freezing cold, built a fire, put foil on it so he wouldn't die, and he shot his mountain lion. <laughs> okay. And I thought, you know, it's been, what, like 17 years. You know, he's 87 now. I mean, I, and I go, honey, can we go ahead and get rid of the hunting gear? He goes, why would you do that? And I go, well, your stamina is not what it used to be. You know, you know he goes, what are you th I'm going to therapy, so I get my stamina back. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you got to believe. See, you got to go, hey, <laughs> I'm not shrinking back. I'm not shrinking back. And so I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Maybe it's in your body. Maybe it's in your thoughts. But you got to keep yourself ready for what God wants to do. It matters what you say while you're in the desert. Be not weary in well-doing, the scripture says, for you will reap a harvest of blessing if you faint not. The, the definition for fainting there is not like blackout in a dead faint. Faint would be connoted as the gradual, little-by-little little shift from believing the promise to believing the circumstance. Just the air gets sucked out of you concerning that thing God said, and pretty soon you're in what we would just call a dead faint as far as your faith is concerned. Principles for possessing promises. Number one, we must remember what God has promised. Maybe you've gotten so many words you can't carry it in a little piece of paper in your wallet. You know, like, I would have to carry a suitcase. It would have to roll behind me. But guess what? I've got them all printed out, and it's in a file, and I read them occasionally. And then some people that come into this ministry, they go, what are the words that have been said over Epicenter? And then I go, here, read all these. John knows some of them by heart. Alicia's read several of them. See, what are the words that have been spoken over your life and over the church corporately? We must remember what God has promised. Jeremiah 30, verse 2 says, write it in a book. Caleb repeated the word that the prophet Moses spoke to him. He had it down verbatim. Maybe you need to get the little recordings, go back, transcribe them. I used to have Janine transcribe stuff for me. Prophets would come in, and i go, Janine, I'm sending it to you. It's before we had the same kind of recording equipment, and she'd have to listen to a CD, maybe even a tape back in the day, and then she could type fast, and she'd type what they were saying, but I have it written down. Number two, we must believe that God will do what he promised. See, you can negate your blessing through doubt and unbelief. The thief comes to steal. 
See, he comes, he gives you reasons to doubt. He gives you reasons not to believe. He, he, he creates circumstances so it looks like there's good evidence that this thing can never come to pass. He tries to come against what God has said by getting you to nullify what God has said. See, first you get this feeling like, oh, I don't know if it's going to happen. I hope I can believe that. I don't want to be disappointed. And then this opinion forms. And then this stronghold forms. And then pretty soon you're under the spell of the enemy and you can't believe for it at all. And then when it doesn't happen, you'll go, God, God didn't do what he said. No, you never believed. There was no faith. There was no patience. Quit blaming God. <laughs> we walk by faith, not by sight. Quit allowing the natural to kill the supernatural. Instead, the supernatural should give birth and life to the natural. Revelations 12, 4, the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. I mean, as soon as you get a word, something will happen to make you think something's wrong with it that it's not going to happen. He's right there. He'll devour it whenever he can. Don't let him. Don't let him. Number three, you must be prepared to possess the promise. Numbers 13, 30, he was prepared then. And he stayed prepared, speaking of Caleb. He was prepared spiritually. He was prepared emotionally with his mindset. And he was probably also prepared physically. See, there are choices that sometimes we make, uh, including how we take care of our body. You know that the doctor said that if he hadn't worked out his whole life, he probably would have never made it through that attack on his life uh, last year? See, there are things you do that can even keep you in the place where you can stay strong enough to do the things God said. See, I got so tired the last couple of years, I thought, God, I'm just going to have to pull back and not do so much. And, you know, I need an easier life. And this, is, uh, this has been physically taxing. But see, the word is like, wait, that Indian prophet came in and he said, you will speak at many, many conferences. You will be on many stages. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can't pull back. I, and so when they called me, I was so tired to go speak at a conference. And I go, yes, I'll come. Then they called me. To, I'm like, I'm tired. But okay, you said it, God. I can do it. See, and I'm, I'm, he's got to revive life in me to do the very things that he prophesied, but I can't start disagreeing with him now. It doesn't mean we don't rest and we don't use some normal times to refresh. But see, there are things if God says it, we need to stay prepared to do it. You need to stay prepared in your lifestyle, who you hang out with. Who you hang out with can negate the promises of God in your life if you start listening to the wrong people enough. If you get in debt and if you don't handle your finances well, it can negate the problem. God spoke to us to get out of debt years before we went into full-time ministry. We didn't know we were going into full-time ministry, but if we'd have had a penny of debt, we couldn't have done it. Because we couldn't have been sustained during that period when there was no income coming in. We actually lived on the equity out of the house that we sold. And so there are lifestyle choices that you make that position you to even receive the promises of God encumbrances that are unhealthy and unholy get them out of your life so that when God calls you can you can take off smoothly without a bunch of dead weight hanging behind you preparation includes four things desire determination discipline and dependability preparation the preparation to possess the promise includes desire determination discipline, and dependability. Now, I'm going to quickly go through these four in closing so that you can apply them in your life. But the one thing everybody needs to do when you leave here is to somehow get a hold of the things that God has spoken to you that you know are accurate, that you know have the Holy Spirit on them, that you know have been confirmed or they confirm something in your heart. 
and you start rehearsing those, you start reading those, keep them in a safe place. Don't let yourself forget them. Keep them in front of you because the devil will try to take them far from you. Desire, number one. You must desire to be godly above all other desires. Desire the things that make for godliness. Desire to be cleansed daily by the washing of the water of the word. Desire an honest relationship with God by the work of his Holy Spirit. Ask him to lay you bare before him, to take out anything that doesn't need to be there and to put in anything that does. See, I used to pray, God, if there's anything in me that's hindering me from ministering to your people, take it out of me. I was teaching a Bible study. I was teaching several Bible studies. I was the president of a Christian women's organization, and God started doing a work of inner healing in me because there were things in me that, that prevented me from being as whole as God desired. See, and now God put anything in me that I need. When I was getting ready to, to do one thing, I said, I'm not qualified for this. So God had to start putting certain things in me that I didn't even think I had. See, he takes faithful men and women and makes them able. You don't always have to be able to do what God says. If you're faithful, he'll make you able. So desire to be laid bare before him, be honest with him, and he will equip you for what he's called you to do. Number two, determine. Determine not to settle for anything less than what God has said. Without determination, desire can remain dormant. Determination activates your desire. Determine not to know people after the flesh. See, people come in here and they just look like some kid, but if God has prophesied three or four times they're going to be this, I'm like, in my sight, they're this. <laughs> this, is, this is God's calling. Maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they need some honing. Maybe they need some refining. But guess what? I'm not going to see him as just uh, this little invaluable. I'm like, hey, God's got his hand on him. There's an anointing on them. They're called to do this. See, don't know people after the flesh. What has God said about them? Determined daily to walk in godliness. Determined to be consistent in prayer. Determined to be consistent in the reading of the word of God. Determined not to satisfy your flesh that tries to rise up within you to have preeminence. It can delay the will of God. See, it can hinder the will of God, but God's will is not going to change. Your sin cannot undo God's prophetic desire over your life. But sometimes you have to get up out of your sin... <laughs> and shake it off, and allow him to cleanse you so that you can get back on the right path. I know a, a, a young lady that God was prophesying amazing things over her life while I knew she was in a not godly place. But see, God knew that too, and he got her out of that place and positioned her for what he called her to do. Number three, discipline your life to godliness. Discipline your mind to have the mind of Christ. Discipline your habits that because they make godliness or non-godliness. Your habits mean everything. See, what you do continually is what you tend to do all the time. You just, you just fall back into the same habits. If you have a habit of working out every day, it just feels normal to you. To those of us who don't work out, it feels like so hard to try to get there. <laughs> See, if you have a habit every day of reading the Bible, it just feels like eating. See, but if you don't have a habit, it's like, ooh, how am I going to fit that in? See, get habits incorporated and grafted into your life that are godly. Discipline your body that is kept under subjection of the Holy Spirit. Discipline your conversation so that it blesses God and edifies those around you. Discipline. Some husbands and wives might go, discipline. Don't talk to me like that. Discipline. <laughs> Four, dependability. Dependability in your lifestyle. 
dependability to God. Can he depend on you? Can he depend on you to tithe? Are you faithful with your money? Can he depend on you as a functioning part of the body of Christ? You volunteer to do something, are you doing it? Can he depend upon you to be a faithful friend, to notice the needs of others around you? Can he depend on you? Can he depend upon you to be a team player and you're not going to be tearing other people down and seeing only their weaknesses and, and not seeing what God has said about them even while he's trying to clean them up and get them right? Can he depend on you? Desire, determination, discipline, and dependability. If you will prepare, if you will do these things, if you will mix with faith and patience the words that God has spoken over your life, if you will not faint, you will possess the promises that God has given you. We will have revival in this place. There will be signs, wonders, and miracles that will be astounding. It doesn't matter that some of us have just been fighting to be okay this last year or two. We're going to have the miracles. See, God's word is not dependent upon my present circumstances. He transcends my circumstances. And so I have a hope and a future, and it's for good and not evil, no matter what the devil tries to make it look like right now. This place will be full, as many people have been given the vision, even though instead of getting fuller, we got more empty because of this pandemic. See, Keep your sights on what God has said. Not on, don't look after the flesh in any area. See, don't confess. Oh, look, we're getting empty. Look, nobody's coming. The oh, we're probably going to just shrink up and die. See, don't speak what God has not said. See, don't speak what the devil's trying to put in your mind. We will have the revival. We will have the signs, wonders, and miracles. We will have the people whose hearts burn for God, who love him above all. We will transform the mindsets of those around us if we will allow him to transform us. So stand to your feet with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We commit to you, God. We commit to you, God. We say, give us the faith and give us the patience we need to possess the promise. You've already given us the word. Now we will call to mind the words that you have spoken. We will not listen to the voice of the enemy. We will not let our faith flag. We will not faint along the way and then blame you for it, God. We look to you. We look to you from whence our help comes from. And so we thank you, Lord, that you are enough. You are more than enough. You are not a man that you would lie. You are not the son of man that you would repent. And you have not changed your mind about one word that you've ever spoken, whether it was one year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 45 years ago. You have not changed. So we stand before you, God. We are your servants. We are your bond servants, God. Be it done unto us according to your word. And in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen.